Hello and welcome to Run the Table. I'm your host, Bryce Tinson. Guess who's back? Obert. What's good, y'all? Obert, you have some explaining to do. The people want to know where you were last week. Um, I was doing more, more, a lot more important things, actually, than this podcast. Um, so, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, no, uh, yeah, I was just missing. I was just missing. So, um, but we found him. It so was day-to-day. I was day-to-day um, for, you know, five or six days straight. So, I guess you could say it was week-to-week. But uh, I'm available now, and I will be for the rest of the year. So get excited, stay excited. Is that is that like 100? percent You will be like bar- that's a promise. Okay, I break a lot of promises, but that <laughs> is a promise. So expected to be broken at some point this season. We had not a, it wasn't a great slate of college football, and admittedly, the football was also pretty bad on Saturday. It was a um, shit slate. Yeah, <laughs> not mentioned any did, words with that one. Did we have a ranked matchup? I don't think so. No. <laughs> No, we didn't, um, and it was just, it was bad football too. Like yep. uh, like the great teams, and we'll get into it. Great teams didn't play well, and and there one one and they didn't think, play bad enough to get beat. Exactly, that was the thing. There was zero upsets, zero upsets. I mean, I guess Missouri and and Florida, but like right, it was five and a half and six and a half respectively in in, in the point spread. So it's yep. like it, it doesn't really do do much for me. Um, and then the NFL was. Uh, What's a good Sunday, I think. Yep. I think. I think we had some good games. So let's dive right in. Give me your first college football takeaway here, Obert. Come on now. Let's go. Chop, um, chop. Let's go. I'd like to apologize. Oh, uh, no, we are already apologizing. Yeah, just to start off on the most solemn note possible. I went 0-6 this week. <laughs> oh, um, no. That was the... Uh, I think that's the only time I've ever done that. Just an absolutely putrid yeah, so. week well, yeah. of picking games. You had, you had a stretch... When we first started this, when you it was uh, it was like the December, and you just start, just told me teams. You didn't even look at the number, and I think you went like one and eighteen. Yeah. Well, I'd like to apologize, <laughs> but that was NFL, so I don't think you've ever done it in college football. A very somber note. Um, this is uh, this was just absolutely an embarrassment, just an absolute embarrassment going on in six. Frankly, um, you know, I. I, I, this was coming. I felt like I, I, I wasn't, you know, really confident in my picks for really the start of this season much. I just haven't been able to get my legs under me. Week zero was was weak because, you know, I didn't know anything about the teams. And when week one came out, I just did okay. You know, week two, I was okay. I thought you were four and two last week. And then week three last week, I go four and two, but I get lucky in the uh, Oregon Texas Tech game. We're in week three right now. Okay, fine. Week two, I get lucky in the Oregon Texas Tech game. And then, you know, so Ridley should have been three and three. So just never really, you know, picked up a lot of momentum. And then this week, I knew I knew the teams I was picking. I felt good. I felt okay. But um but yeah, I just got I got clobbered too. It wasn't wasn't particularly close. I mean, every team I picked lost outright. So that's never a good sign. Um but yeah, no, this was this was bad. You know, starting out you know, the classic one, right? Like, I, I thought Kansas State and Troy, I thought that was just two good teams playing well, and so I picked both of them. You know, I thought that both of those teams were played a good game, and, and that was what happened, even though Kansas State won by 25. In reality, that was a mid-off. So that, that, so that happens sometimes, <laughs> you know. It's like you think one thing about a game, and when the opposite of tr- is true, you lose twice. So that was that was my first two. And then... You know, Michigan State, Washington, I should have learned that lesson as far as, you know, when a coach gets fired in a sort of public way and really sort of disastrous way, that can happen, right? Like like your team is going to get beat. There's no, like, light a fire under the team, fire that. No, there's none of that. 
Like it is just bad. So controversy never helps. I should have, I, I learned my, or I knew that that was possible after Rutgers um, at Northwestern. I picked Rutgers and I was right about that. But I was wrong in the sense in this game because I, that number was so big and I thought Michigan State was decent. They weren't. Um, in the, in the uh, uh, Mississippi State yeah. LSU game, um, that was one where I knew a lot about one team, and I knew that they weren't that good so far, or at least I really thought so because of what Brian Kelly had said when he just straight up he said, said, we're not that good of a team. You know, not what I thought. Not, not the team I thought we were, but what I failed to do was research at all about Mississippi State, who was absolutely abysmal. I mean, awful college football team, right? So just just a terrible college football team. So that was just another another huge flaw. Um uh, what else? Oh, uh, Tennessee, Florida. Um, uh, another one of those things where it's like, I don't know. I just got caught up in the moment there, which typically I'm really good about and of not doing, which is like typically, you know, I just felt like that Utah-Florida game was so who Florida is and that they would have all those false start penalties. But at home, that's not really likely. Yeah. You know, and, and that's not as, nearly as much of a factor. So, that was a big miss, um, and one I typically don't make. That's one that just slipped my mind. Um, and then I think I'm missing one more. No, you got all. You got oh, all. You got case, all six. But oh yeah, your your South Carolina, which South Carolina your was right, which was yeah. your. I had a good feeling about, that. and that was probably the game I was most confident in. I thought Georgia was vulnerable. South Carolina had at least a little bit of talent to exploit that, so that was right. And and you know what that shows? I still have it in me to make picks like that, and I still have that. Mm-hmm. It's just about going out and finding it. Well, um, and you know the answers are out there. That's the encouraging thing. For each of those games, there was a you know a miss, a that correctable I had mistake, there. and you know um, uh, something I could find. So it's just it's about finding it. It's about you know, knowing the things that are true, you know, washing away the things that aren't and, and picking good games. And, and I want to apologize because I think people listen to my advice because they should, because I'm typically such a good picker, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. And, and so when I, when I make mistakes like this, I know I'm letting my fans down yeah. and that's not acceptable. No. So I'm going to be doing my research. I'm going to get locked sooner because there were games I like, but Bryce always steals them from me. Mike <laughs> does too a little bit. So it's like, that's part of an issue. So I'm going to get that earlier. I'm going to, I'm going to do all the X's and O's I can. And, and I'm going to try my hardest to fix this. Yeah, I will say I didn't. I didn't like a lot of locks this week, and the two locks I liked, me and Mike took. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was so. it's kind of a tough. Uh, listen, I I think the, I think the biggest issue is that is that the you put your trust in those teams, and they just didn't show up. You you weren't wrong. I, they just, I was wrong. They just failed to execute. Yeah, I would like they, to, but now <laughs> you don't want to. You don't want to pull that card. No, no. Okay, I went well, one six. <laughs> but it's because if I went like one and five, I'd have been like, you know, I think I was smart about something now. No, no, no. It's not even like it's not even. You're always right. It's just sometimes the teams don't hold up their end of the bargain. Okay, all right. How about that? Maybe. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. My first takeaway it, it has to do with Michigan, um, but it's also on a on, on a bigger scale. Um, so. Weekly, there are, at least on my Twitter feed, uh, I follow a bunch of people who have power rankings or power ratings, if you will. Um, Josh Pate does this uh, with the JP poll. Uh, There's the K Ford ratings. There's Bill Connolly's S&P Plus. And um, 
they all have pre they all had their preseason polls. They came out right, and then since then, the, the in the following three weeks, Michigan has proceeded to decline in the rankings every single week. And and uh, every single time those are posted, I see people who don't understand any sort of uh, of of difference between like the AP poll and the power rating system. Comment and it's like how how can you have you know Ohio State at four and Michigan at thirteen or whatever? Um, the K Ford rankings have Ohio State at one and Michigan at. 14, I think. Um, and, and every week it's like, how can you have Michigan that low? God, it, it's not them. It's their computer model. It's their algorithm. They have a certain set of criteria that they put into um, ranking these teams. And and now I know um, with S&P Plus, with Connolly and the K Ford ratings, um, they don't change. You know, they don't override the system and rank teams higher. Uh, they, they just you know, whatever the model spits out, that's what they post. And that's their, those are the rankings for the week. Now, Pate, I, I, I have known him to, or he has said that he has changed his, um, like where a team's rated because uh, the model's either too high or too low on them. Like a, uh, Texas last year had like, he, I think he said like they were top four uh, before he was like, no, we're not going to do that. This year he's going to, he said uh, with Washington, the, the model just does not, does not like Washington for whatever reason. Um, but he's like, no, they're clearly a top 10 team. We're putting them in the top 10. Uh, and, and what ratings usually are is a way to measure which team would be favored on a neutral field. That's really what it comes down to. It's like it has nothing to do with, um, you know, what what you, you think is going to happen. It's like here's how Vegas and Vegas has their own. Vegas has their own model that they do this. Uh, they do this with. Here's what here's what we would make the point spread if this team were to play this team on a neutral field and would this team be favored over this team? And so the the I guess the biggest issue is that these people aren't going to release their algorithms. They're not going to release the models because that that's their proprietary uh, ideas. They're not that that is it's theirs, right? If they were to release it, then other people could copy it and, and try to pass it off as their own. So they're not going to release that. So really, we don't know. It's just based off of what they say. We don't know how how things are weighted and whatnot. But I do know that with a lot of them, the model goes in with an expected win margin or an expected performance, expected outcome for each team against its opponent. And whether or not that team exceeds the expectation or uh, falls short of the expectation determines whether or not they they rise or fall. And so when it comes to Michigan and the FPI, they're 14. And I'm, I'm assuming JP will still have them in the top 10. Um, I think S&P Plus has them at like 7 uh, or 5, somewhere in that range. And the K4 rating, ratings have them at 14. Now, for some of those, it's it's strictly based off of this year. Um, and, and their performances this season. There is preseason stuff baked in there, but it, the sample size is still so small that it's tough to you know really get a, a great idea. And that's kind of the problem with football and analytics and why you see analytics so much more heavily involved in basketball and baseball because they have so much of a bigger sample size to choose from, whereas football, you have, especially in college football, you have a max of 15 games to create a data set out of and and by the time you get to that 15th game it doesn't matter anymore right and so we're we're sitting here four games into the season a quarter way or for some teams they're a quarter way of uh, through the well, actually all the teams are a quarter way through their schedule now and and we only have three games to go off of so it's kind of tough to create a, a realistic data set but now getting to the actual point Michigan just hasn't beat these teams by, you know, 45, 50 points. And that's why they're getting dinged, right? That they haven't covered a single game. 
And there's a reason for that. It's because they've taken their players out in the third quarter. I would say two out of the three games they've played so far this season, they've been great. You know, borderline elite. Um, obviously, the Bowling Green game, they had some issues with the, with turnovers and penalties and stuff like that. Just really wasn't a very clean game, but they still won by 25. And, and that's really where the issue comes in is that I think they were like 40, 40 and a half point favorites. And so when you don't win that game by that expected number, and instead you, you fall short of it by 15 points or, you know, 15 and a half points, you're going to get dinged for it. Uh, and Michigan doesn't care about that. And they don't care about the power ratings. They care about, you know, Jay Harbaugh said this uh, at, his, at the press conference today. They care about winning games, right? They don't care and, and staying healthy. They don't care about, you know, where, you know, S&P Plus has them. Um, but to, I guess, help Michigan fans, you know, kind of calm themselves a little bit when they see that and not, you know, not react in the way that I've seen. I have seen some of them. Michigan's 16th in the country in yards per play with seven seven point two, um, and that's including the Bowling Green game where they weren't fantastic. Um, they're giving up three point eight yards per play, which is fifth in the country. The issue and where we kind of see, you know, why they're not beating teams by an insane amount of points is because of their style of football. They are. They have run the seventh lowest plays per game. They've only run, they average 56 plays per game. Um, and I think on the high end, I saw like 89. They just play a slow style of football. They eat up most of the play clock. And, and with the changes in college football with the clock, they're going to have less plays. And they're not going to beat teams by as many points. So if you are a betting, if you, if you are a gambler, I would take every single time you see Michigan as a 25 point favorite or or higher I would take the opposing team against the spread now will they win outright no probably not because Michigan is a top you know two team in the country I would say they're the best team in the country but when you look at how many plays per game they average it's it's just it's really hard even against bad teams when they get up by so many points in the first half for them to cover some of these numbers right and and so that's what's going to kill them in the power ranks now when they play actual you know good teams and not um, and not UNLV and Bowling Green, who are probably in like the... Actually, UNLV might be a little bit higher, but like Bowling Green's a bottom 20 team. Like they're in the hundreds. I know ECU is, is, is up there though, but like once that happens, then they'll start, you know, the number, the expectation will, will decrease and they'll start exceeding the expectation and move up a little bit. But that was a long-winded explanation, but I felt like it was necessary. Mm. Um, Texas is still back. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that Alabama one felt good. I wasn't here to talk about it, but uh, I said this to Bryce. I don't know if a single you know team gained so much from a single win, even if Alabama has looked pedestrian this year. It was Sark's old team, Quinn Ewers in a big spot, a lot of doubt, Xavier Worthy playing absolutely amazing. You know, the, the running backs in the offensive line really pushing around Alabama on that last drive. Mm-hmm. They they fool a uh, Nick Saban coach team on that last third down. It felt like Ewers gained so much. Sharkeesian gained so much. I mean, you know, Xavier Worthy, that defense played incredible. They showed it against uh, Rice, but backed it up again against Alabama. So it was just a total, complete team win. Um and then against Wyoming, there was a little bit of a letdown spot, 10-10 going into the fourth quarter. But listen, folks, they end up winning 31-10. They have the pick six. They have a touchdown from Xavier Worthy. I think Jonathan Brooks had a touchdown run or something or a long run uh, uh, that really helped them ice that game away. And my point is, Texas is fine. Like they scored that, 21 fourth quarter points. You know, they scored 21 fourth quarter points. It just took them a little bit to, to wake up. And I think they woke up at halftime, quite frankly. Spot. But... 
Wyoming had that 10-minute drive in the third quarter, so Texas had one offensive drive in the entire third quarter, so there wasn't a lot for them to go off of. But as soon as they hit the fourth quarter and they got the ball back, they scored immediately and then scored immediately again then scored immediately, immediately again. So a little bit of a letdown spot early. This is a great Wyoming team. You know, one of the better group of five schools really, really? in the country yep. who beats Texas Tech and then, you know, backs it up the next week with another win. They go 2-0, and compete with Texas. I just think this is a very good Wyoming team, like a very solid Wyoming team. And it's like, oh, well, maybe Texas Tech isn't that good. Okay, they almost beat Oregon, right? So, you, you know, like that game was very down to the wire, easily could have been won by Texas Tech. Like, you know, so I, I, I feel good about Wyoming. You know, I think if this game was as close as it had been all game, I would have put Wyoming in my top 25 even. So, I mean, they didn't, you know, so I, ke- I kept them out of it. You're not going to put an Andrew Peasley-led team in the top 25, right? Hell yeah. I think oh, that no. Furtive version wasn't starting for them against oh, Texas. Did he get hurt? I, I, I don't know. Hurt. I, I, I don't know what happened, but it was it was like some Ethan guy. I don't know. Um, but, not Ethan, right? No, not Ethan. Not Minnesota. But, um, but yeah. So, I, you know, I, I think Texas is fine. Typically, that would be a spot where I would kind of complain a lot. But as it is, Texas is still trending way up. I like that. Um, okay. I, uh, I have an issue. It's my, it's my weekly gripe with the AP and the AP voters. Um, why, why is Clemson not ranked after the, their dismantling of FAU? They fall out of the top 25. They were 25. But Tennessee and Florida are both still ranked. Well, I should say Tennessee is ranked, and now Florida's ranked. It's like we completely forgot, and I think some of it has to do with with the AP having with AP voters having Utah as high as they do. But like, do we actually watch the games? Because if we don't, then people shouldn't have a vote. Like the uh, AP voters exist for one thing and one thing only, and that's to. I guess vote on on awards at the end of the year, but also it's the weekly AP top twenty five, right? And to to think that we we determined a national champion this way for I don't know for, was it fifty fifty years? Yeah, um, before the BCS era, I I I do not understand how how people call like think that's legitimate still. Yeah, when we see stuff like this, and it's like if you actually watch the Tennessee and Florida game. It was just a clear battle of, of mid. Neither team is a good football team. And with Tennessee, we kind of knew that after their Austin P performance, but they were still 2-0, so we needed to see it. Um, at least me and you, because we're not idiots yep. um, who, who we understand college football. Uh, as for Florida, it was like we knew they were bad because they couldn't beat a Cam rising list and Brent Cuthy list Utah team. I mean, Utah was also out, um, one of their best defenders. I can't remember, who, I can't remember his name. Um, and meanwhile, Clemson loses to a really solid Duke team who, once again this week, went to or hosted Northwestern and, absolute, and put on an absolute show again. Um, and, and they drop out because, uh, because they, lost, they lost to that Duke team uh, in week one. And, and since then, and, and being ranked after business. week two, and it hand, handled business. It's like, I, I genuinely do not understand the thought process behind the rankings of some of these teams. Somebody had Alabama at eight still. Um, <laughs> Colorado was as high as what I say, 11. Yeah. It's just, it. it's like, if we're not going to watch the games then you shouldn't have a vote. And for the people that actually do it, it devalues their vote um, and the job that they're doing because there's so many people that, that don't. And, and it's just frustrating to see because, uh, you know, as college football fans and, and this is really how you build hype for some of these games. 
It's like like Iowa shouldn't be ranked either. Like this right. Penn State Iowa game should not be a ranked matchup. Yeah, Florida State Clemson should. Right. The fact that and, and there's there's so many teams like this: Colorado, Florida, Tennessee, um, even Utah. Still, uh, the team I just mentioned that I'm now blanking on. Uh, <laughs> hold on, Iowa. There it is. Iowa. Those teams should not be ranked over Clemson. And it's just it's just a disgrace to the game. It's a disgrace to the sport, and, and it's just my, you know, it's my weekly rant about why they suck. Yeah, um, Tennessee is mid. Uh, you touched on this. Um, listen, this does not feel like an overreaction at all. I it's think not, Tennessee no. goes seven and five, maybe yeah. even six and six this year. Well, the SEC is kind of done. Yeah, that's true. Sneaky, uh, sneaky. Missouri might finish second in the SEC. East. Absolutely, like. Obviously, they'll beat, like, UTSA, but, like, we saw... Listen, folks, so they absolutely run Virginia out of the gym. Like, we said this on this podcast, like, Virginia is is abysmal. Like, and no no disrespect. <laughs> they're, like, they're on, like, Boston College levels of bad. Right, like, they're having, like, a lot of program difficulties, and that's, you know, it's tough, but, Tony like, Bennett. this is... This is this is not a good football team at all. Okay, so they so they they beat the snot out of out of Virginia, and people are like, "Yep, this is Tennessee. Here we go again." No, so Joe Milton is awful, right? <laughs> they're also like their receivers aren't really that good no. either. Like it's a great scheme, but like no Cedric Tillman, no Jalen Hyatt. Yeah. Like this is a t- like the wide receivers are still kind of an issue now. And now you know the running the running game they tried a lot of weirdly in the Florida game didn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't think uh, they believe much in. Joe Joe Milton, I don't think they believe him no. as nearly as much in that passing attack. Why should they? Uh, I don't really think they have nearly as, as much of an offensive identity. And looking at their schedule now, they could lose to South Carolina. They could lose to A&M. They could lose at Bama. They probably will lose at Bama. They could lose at Kentucky, lose at Missouri, yeah. lose against Georgia. Like this, definitely, They could also lose to Vandy. Yeah, this this <laughs> could definitely be a 6-6, six and 7-5 six, and five team. Like I don't see this being a team that makes any sort of noise in the SEC East. Like... They got outplayed by Florida, and I wasn't impressed by Florida. The one run for, from Trevor Etienne yep. that was probably Florida's best play was awful defense by Tennessee, like three missed tackles. One guy missed a tackle twice, it looked like. So was funny. this is not a good football team. I don't think they have an identity anymore. Um, and I don't think they'll be nearly – like I don't think Florida will be – Will be very good. Like I still think this is a Florida team that goes, you know, seven and five or something. No, they're like not. That. They're not a good football. You team. know, I didn't rank them either. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the SEC. But I don't think Tennessee is very good at all. In fact, I think they're mid. I think that sneaky, sneaky take here that Tennessee starts or sits Joe Milton starts Nico. I am. I am a lot. I am Olivia. Of, uh, I'm not. I'm never going to get that pronunciation right. Um, and they upset one of. Alabama, I guess it's not an upset. It still is an upset, but like it's it's not going to carry the same weight. But they're going to upset one of uh, Kentucky, uh, Alabama, Missouri, or Georgia. Can you yeah. imagine saying that before the season? Hmm. Missouri would be an upset. Um, Washington is a top five team in the country right now, and Michael Penix Jr. is the only threat for a non repeat Heisman winner from Caleb Williams. Okay, um, it, it, I I had a feeling. This offseason, over the summer, that Michael Penix could win the Heisman. He was my he he was my dark horse pick, and it's not really a dark horse because everybody like I think he was like top five in odds for the Heisman. But like Caleb Williams was like I think minus or was like plus two hundred in terms of Heisman odds like that. So I, I guess everybody outside of Caleb was a dark horse at that point. Right. Um, but 
Why do I say this now after the Michigan State game? He went into East Lansing and had 375 yards passing, and I think it was three touchdowns in the first half. Dude can throw. And, and, and it's not like... And it's not like, you know, his guys were wide open all the time. Yes, Michigan State's secondary isn't great. But, like, he's making NFL-level throws consistently. He's putting it in windows that it's like it's like only a handful of quarterbacks can do that. And it's with lethal accuracy. Right now, through three games, he's got 1,300 yards, a shade under 13,500 yards, 12 touchdowns, and one pick. And he hasn't played most third and fourth quarters because... Why would you when you're up by 100, right? Um, I mean, week one against Boise State, they put up 59 points. And Boise State's a really damn good team. Week th- week two, they put up 43 against Tulsa. And they put up 41 against a Michigan State team that they probably could have hung 70 on. Right. Um, and, and so I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, yeah, it's, he's legit. It's... Um, it's going to come down to him or Caleb. I firmly believe that. With the way that everybody else is playing right now and J.J. Um, having the three interceptions against Bowling Green when it was like he was he was an outside guy looking in because he had been playing uh, he playing clean football. Because um, I, I don't believe I don't believe that Shador is a true a true competitor there just because I don't think Colorado is going to be that good. And so I think it, it's crazy to say this at this point in the season. We're three weeks in. USC and, and, and Washington have both played three games. In fact, most teams have only played three games. And not the Ohio Wildcats, though. Um, and I'm saying that this is a two, two-person two race. And I would be I would be shocked if, it, if somebody else threw their hat in the ring at this point because the way that those two guys are playing right now... So Penix has the best QBR in the country. He's got like a 94.5 QBR. Um, that's ESPN's... Uh, QBR, that's their statistic. Um, but he's got the fourth highest passer rating in the country at 206. The guy who's in first is having an, an unbelievable season and nobody's talking about it because it's like been there, done that. Caleb Williams' passer rating is 240. Woo! It's 240. What are we doing? Oh my God. But I also want to talk about, you know, Washington as a whole because their defense is playing really well too. Um, like that was that was the thing. It's like, can the defense really step it up? Because we knew the offense was going to be legit with guys like Romo Dunze, Jalen Polk, and and Jalen McMillan, who all have over three hundred yards and two touchdowns in the three games. But literally three guys averaging hundred yards a game. Unreal. Um, was it was the defense that was a big question mark? And through three games, I would say they've passed the test. Um, obviously, we're gonna have to wait to see how they do against the Caleb Williams and the and the Bo Nicks and the Cam Wards of the world. But like I. I I'm telling you right now, Washington, if there's a team that's going to come out of the Pac-12 and win a national championship, as much as I as I, I want to see you happy with USC, I think that Washington is the most complete team, um, and, and I think that they're the one. Um, ten, oh, no. Uh, the Big 12 sucks, other than Oklahoma <laughs> and Texas, who both rock. Um, so Kansas State loses. Well, deja vu, huh? Texas Tech has now two losses. Yep. Um, uh, Iowa State lost. Um, yes, they did. Cincinnati lost. Yes, they did. Um, I'm certainly missing a couple Oklahoma more. State. <laughs> Oklahoma State got absolutely <laughs> smacked around by South Alabama. This conference is abysmal, folks. I mean... Hey, but what about West Virginia? They beat Pitt. West Virginia did beat uh, Pitt, and we're enthusiastic about it. You know, if you saw a little sweet <laughs> Caroline. You know, Baylor had the loss to Texas State. Forgot about but that. But they almost beat Utah. 
Almost beat Utah. That's true. Um, and Houston is now one and two. This conference is absolutely abysmal. Yeah, but one of those losses um, was to TCU. The oh and oh by the way, yeah, TCU lost to Colorado. I don't know how how, how good that loss is looking after Colorado almost lost to Colorado State. So it's going down the list, and it's pretty bad now. Brigham Young is university. They, they at, actually might be shysty at Provo Main Campus. Could be one of the couple teams that like could throw their you know their hat in the ring. How's Same with, did they did they lose UCF? But um, no, UCF is three. Okay, now. they're three now. They uh, could be another team. Although John Reese Plumlee's, I think, out for a while. What about KU? But uh, no, no chance. Almost lost to Illinois. Um, so <laughs> wait, no, they didn't. <laughs> wait, what was the final score? It was like thirty-four oh. twenty-three. They were yeah, okay. They were because you texted me and you said congrats on your on, on breaking yeah. the lockers and they were up twenty-one nothing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, Oklahoma and Texas do look great. Yes, so that do. is the yeah. one thing for the Big 12. They do have the two ranked teams. Oklahoma's looked fantastic. Yes, Nobody's really talking about it. Don't know why. Offense has looked great. Venable seems to have finally have that defense clicking. So that is a strong thing. And then obviously Texas is 3-0 with the win over Bama. Like, I think this conference is is in a bit of a, a, a down spot right now. And I don't think they'll have a playoff team unless Texas or Oklahoma pretty much run the table outside of that game. So yeah. it will be interesting to see what happens. But it's already a bad... It, it, that is a bad omen a little bit for Texas. It's going to be tough. Because yeah. if they don't be, like, perfect... They have to be perfect at this point. And, and like, even if they lose... Like, the only way is if they lose to Oklahoma, get them back in the Big 12 championship, and hope Alabama plays well the rest of the season. Because yep. that, lo- that win isn't looking as good after Alabama tripped up to USF. So yeah. this is not good for the Big 12, and that's kind of the bottom line is that it will be tough for them to get a playoff team, especially if you know it's as tricky as it usually is. So, uh, we'll see what happens, but uh, you know I'm still optimistic. It is kind of tough for the Big 12 to go out this way with Texas and, and Oklahoma leaving. And here. even when you look at the future of the Big 12, none of the teams are playing well. I mean, yeah. the, 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 the quote-unquote best team is Colorado, and like it seems to be like seems to me like we're one of like five people that are calling out, calling out their bullshit, yeah. um, which I'm going to get into with my next with my next takeaway. But like Utah, maybe, but yeah. you know we we've seen you know what they look like without two of their best players, and I know it's kind of tough for you to say that about a, you know any team without their two best players. But like they almost lost to Baylor, guys. Like Baylor's not a good football team, and they almost lost that game. So I think this is a bigger indictment on the Big 12's future. Um, it's a good thing that they're very good at basketball. Yes. Because, because my God, is it going to be a tough conference to watch for football purposes. Um, okay. And I think Colorado would have a bright future with Dion. The yeah. issue being... I don't think he's staying there. I think it's a blip. I think it's like a five-year thing. I don't most. even know if it's five years. Right, yeah. Three-year three year thing. I think it's three at max, yeah. And, and he moves on to whatever that ultimate thing is, where they let him do his thing at a place like Ohio State or a place, oh, you know, no, whatever. Oh, please, no. Um, oh, yeah, that would, that would be hell. But, I, <laughs> you know, unless he has some sort of connection to Colorado we're not sure of, I would be surprised. So, yeah, um, I, yeah. I think I think it's sort of a blip. Um, okay, I... I lied again. I have another gripe with the AP poll. <laughs> Colorado being ranked higher than Washington State uh, really just shows the flaws of this sport and how we talk about it. Washington State, for all intents and purposes, has been head and shoulders a better team than Colorado. So they both played Colorado State. They've already got a common opponent. Wazoo beats them 50-24 to 24 in week one. 50-24. to 24. Cam Ward goes for like 450 yards and like four or five touchdowns. I can't remember the exact numbers, but he was unreal. 
Obviously, we know Colorado only beat them 43-35 in overtime and probably should have lost that game in regulation if Jay Norvell understands, you know, any sort of analytics or, you know, just momentum in a game. Um, and then, so the next two games, Wazoo beats Wisconsin, who is, spoiler alert, better than TCU and better than Nebraska, who are the other two teams on Colorado's schedule, 31-22. to They've really, I mean, they were in front that entire game, had a grasp on it the, the entire way. Um, they were the better team when from when the clock was at 15 minutes in the first quarter to when that clock hit triple digits or triple zeros in the fourth at the end of the fourth quarter and then they beat north northern colorado this week uh 64 to 21 um didn't watch that game uh didn't care to watch that game because why would i want to watch cam ward absolutely you know desecrate a corpse of <laughs> of a football team um and then and then colorado beats tcu 45 42 in in a game that they they never really had control it was a back and forth affair against a tcu team that's not that good and then they beat nebraska 34 to 16 or was it 16 or was it 14 i can't remember um but like that was a good win nebraska sucks but that was a good win um and 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 then I went and looked at the actual statistics. Wazoo's a better scoring offense. They're a better scoring defense. They gain more yards offensively, both passing and rushing. They gain more, or they hold defenses to less defensively, both passing, both passing and rushing. There is not a single statistical category of merit that Wazoo is not better than Colorado in. And yet Colorado is ranked 18th and, and, or 19th, and Wazoo is ranked 21st, or whatever it is. And it, to me, it just shows you it just it just says that oh this is a Deion Sanders ranking. This has says nothing to do with anything else other than the fact that Deion Sanders is the head coach of Colorado, and the higher that that he gets ranked, the better our ratings do. Like that's that's the only thing that that really comes to mind because everything that that Dickert is doing at Wazoo and the way that they're playing this year, they should be higher than Colorado. Now, if they go and beat Oregon State this week, they will be higher than Colorado because there's no way. Actually, no matter, Colorado beats Oregon. no matter what happens this week, Wazoo will be higher than, uh, than Oregon State because there's no way in hell Colorado is winning that game. No way in hell. I will go to my grave saying that. Unless they do, unless they beat them. 100% certainty, I will cut off both of my testicles. Woo! If if Colorado wins that game, I wouldn't be putting that. Wow, good luck, man. Um, I don't need luck. Wow. Okay. Um, at least ten teams can win a national championship this year. Yes. Joe Klatt touched on this a bit. Um, Make it twelve, just because. Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe this is you know a baker's dozen of just just absolute amazing college football teams this year. But let me take you through this. All right. So Georgia absolutely can. They're the odds on favorite. Michigan absolutely can. Eh, Maybe not. Texas absolutely can. Eh. Uh, Florida State absolutely can. USC absolutely can. Ohio State absolutely can. Um, uh, Penn State absolutely can. Washington definitely can. They're probably in my top five of odds right now. Notre Dame definitely can with that defense led by a defensive-minded coach and Sam Hartman um, and a good running back. Oregon absolutely can, even though a, you know a bad game against Texas Tech. They look fantastic right now. And then you go beyond that, and it's a team like Oklahoma who's sitting at 16 in the AP poll definitely can i mean we haven't really seen it yet and yep. that's the only reason why i would separate them from the rest of the pack but they definitely can um and a 12 team oregon state could get shysty utah could get shysty i think, I think there's, I think there's a back. couple of teams and i think lsu and alabama are two just because 
like they have the talent to. Yeah. And all they have to do is beat Georgia in the national champ or in the SEC championship game. True. And you know the cool thing is this: of the eleven or twelve teams I listed, one of them was an SEC school. You yep, know, and, exactly. And, and so it is just so wide open this year. Uh, and I don't really see that stopping. Like, unless I, I don't know what happens. Unless a couple of teams pick up a couple of losses pretty quickly, I think it stays yeah. open like that for a long time, which is pretty cool. So we'll see what happens. But um, I think it's great. I think it's awesome. I think it's really cool that like Georgia could play. I don't even know like Oregon or Notre Dame or Washington. And on a neutral field, I think that spread would be within 10 points. Yep. Or at least I hope it, it would. It should be. I think the outcome would be, and I think that's the important thing. I think that outcome would be within 10 points. And so and so that's pretty cool because in years past, they would have been three-score favorites yep. on pretty much every team in college football. So, um, you know, and I think... It's a were, great time for... I guess they were score. only a couple... Of, uh, point favorites on Ohio State, but uh, but yeah, but, I, but Ohio State was one of the few teams that right. was like that. It would it would have been, it was Ohio State and Alabama, like those were the only two teams last year that would have kept the point spread within. Because I think if Michigan and Ohio, and Georgia played, it would have been like eight and a half. Right. So you know, uh, it's really positive, and um, and I like that for college football. It's not four and then the rest, which it's been for a long time. Uh, which kind of stinks. Um, it really feels like 10 or 11 or 12 teams that, yeah. that really can make a deep run, so I'm excited. Um, the, the, we just talked about Penn State a little bit. I, the, man, they looked a little overwhelmed on Saturday. Yeah. It was their first true road test of the season, first true road, road test of Drew Aller's career, and he threw for 208 yards. They win that game 30-13. to 13. They cover, but... They needed, I think it was five turnovers to make it happen. And I will say, you know, a couple of them were obviously the fantastic defense that is Penn State making plays on the football. But also, Luke Altmeyer was awful. Like, he's not that good of a quarterback. He was throwing it to Penn State defenders. I think three of his picks were literally, like, his receiver had a worse chance of catching the football than a Penn State defender did. And and whenever that's the case, you know, it, it... it's just on. It's on the defense for catching the football, right? It's not like they did anything special. Um, and I'll say this: that Illinois defense. Now I know. I know Penn State scored thirty points, but you know, for for having five turnovers and, and having to try and stop an offense when with short fields, like they did a really damn good job against that rushing attack, Andrew Aller and. I'm not going to really put too much into this because a lot of teams looked bad on Saturday. Really, the only team that didn't was Washington and, and Oklahoma. But I, I would be a little bit worried just because it was on the road and and, and some of the question marks that I had for this team, um, the rushing defense didn't look great. Uh, and, and Drew Aller was the other big one, and, and he didn't look great either. So I think that I think his final stat one was like 16 of 33 for 208 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Uh, that's not gonna. That's not gonna beat Ohio State. That's not gonna beat Michigan. So Mm-mm. he's gonna have to be better than that. Uh, luckily for them, they get Michigan at home. So maybe he might be just like a home quarterback kind of guy, right? Um, which almost certainly means they lose that Ohio State game. Um, but yeah, so Penn State a little overwhelmed. Not gonna put too much into it just yet because a lot of teams look like crap. NFL. Uh, the Cowboys are still great. How about them Cowboys? Um, there was definite concern about Kellen Moore leaving in the offseason, but I do think there is something to be said about how Dak fix, fits within the Mike McCarthy yeah. scheme and, you know, really sort of a run first. And I think it does complement the defense well. Like, that is what he really wanted to do, and I think it's done that for the most part. Like, they are 
They're just playing like a team who knows it has one of, I don't know, the five best defenses in professional football right now, and they don't have to go down the field every time and try kind of reckless abandon going for seven points every time, which I get, you know, like Kellen Moore is still a great offensive coordinator, but like Dak throwing as many picks as he did, it did more harm than good yep. a lot of the time, and it cost them games. So really, you know, a more conservative approach, um, and, but still doing some pretty, not innovative, but pretty, you know, um, not like archaic schemes. And like they, they were having a lot of success with RPOs and quick slants to CeeDee Lamb and getting him out in space. Just, you know, rudimentary stuff, but, you know, uh, still things that are successful. So you'd think, you know, it's like Mike McCarthy, sort of a blast from the past Packers offense, but it still looked fresh. They still played pretty well, moved the ball well against one of the best defenses, uh, or at least most talented defenses. What we thought was, you know, Uh, I I will say I was a little little disappointed disappointed. with how they played. Yeah. Uh, Will McDonald was a healthy scratch. Did you see that that. before the game? It's like, I was like, what? Um, With a really talented defense. So, so, yeah, I think that was encouraging. And then, of course, the Cowboys defense. You know, I, I said it before the game. I was like, I bet the team total for the Jets is 10 points. And they scored 10 points. So, um, wasn't surprised by that at all. You know, the Cowboys defense was supposed to be this good, and it has been. So, um, forcing turnovers, uh, you know, coming up with plays. Trayvon, Micah, um, I think Javon Kirsch had a pick, maybe I want to say. Um, it was just, uh, it was really impressive. And and I think they're still great despite the, the coordinator change there. So uh, watch out for the Cowboys. Speaking of the Cowboys, there are only three true contenders in the NFC. Um, I Does that hurt? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It hurts. But <laughs> listen, it is what it is. Um, and those three contenders are the 49ers, the Cowboys, who I think right now are the two best teams in the NFC. And then the Eagles. Um, Eagles haven't looked great so far, but I do think some of that, I'm going to chalk it up to losing both coordinators. And honestly, and this might be like, this might be something that I just did not take into account. Shane Steichen might be like one of the best coordinators in all of football, especially when you're talking about working with quarterbacks. The fact that he's a head coach and Anthony Richardson has been doing what he's doing when, you know, a lot of people thought that he was going to take some time. Um, if you knew ball, you knew he was going to be uh, pretty solid right away. Um, but like that Colts offense is humming now. Like I might have just underestimated the impact that he had on that Eagles offense last year. But for now, like the Eagles defense is playing really well, even though it's young. And the offense hasn't really missed a beat um, in terms of the throwing game. The passing or the rushing game a little bit. They, they haven't run the ball as well. Um at least week one. Last week, DeAndre Swift had a little bit of a resurgence, so that was interesting to see. Now he's now he's going to get hurt for the next eight weeks, and you know he won't be available like like he always is. Um, okay, so I'm not going to spend as much time talking about the contenders as I am going to be talking about the teams that. Oh, how is this team not a contender? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna break those those teams down because um, it should be obvious why the Cowboys and Niners are contenders and and then the Eagles too. Um, you talked about the Cowboys. Just watch the Niners play football and tell me that they're not a Super Bowl contender. Um, so we're gonna start with the Seattle Seahawks. The, simply put, their defense just is not good enough. Um, they gave up thirty, I think, thirty one points to the Rams week one. They gave up thirty one points to the Lions last week. It just, it's got, they got players, they're dealing with some injuries now, but like, they're not good enough up front, they're not good enough, you know, Bobby Wagner's not 
the old Bobby Wagner. Um, their defense, their defensive secondary is still young. Um, the offense is going to be able to move the football most weeks. They weren't able to in week one, were able to last week. Um, but I just, to me, that defense is going to get exposed when they play when they play the, the elite teams like the Eagles, Niners, and Cowboys. So I think that they're out. Um, they'll I, like these teams will still make the playoffs. But they're not winning a Super Bowl. They're not making it the Super Bowl. Um, the Rams. Let's talk about the Rams because the Rams played really well week one against the Seahawks, and they played really well week two against the 49ers. I think that a lot of this is fresh legs um, from a team that's, that's A, really young, but their best players are really old. I think that once we hit midseason, like the Rams, the Rams might be like 6-3 and three week nine, uh, or whenever their buy is, maybe week 10. And then the end of the season, they go 500 and, or they go, you know, one game under 500 and finish nine and eight. Like, I, I see that as a real possibility for this Rams team. They're solid. Puka Nakua is awesome. Tutu Atwell's having a nice, uh, a nice year. Kyron Williams is a, was a great find for them. Um, the running back out of Notre Dame, he's playing well. Cam Akers is gone. That continues to be one of the weirdest sagas in football. The Sean McVay Cam Akers relationship. Um, the defense isn't great. Um, I chalk up week one more to the Seahawks shooting themselves in the foot than the Rams playing great defense. Um, so I, I think that the Rams are out. The Lions, they're just not, they're not an elite team. Like, there are way too many question marks with this team. The offensive line's now banged up. Um, David Montgomery looks like he might be out a couple weeks. They the, the weapons offensively just aren't there to consistently, you know, be great. Like, they, they don't have a deep threat. Um, and maybe when they get Jameson Williams back, they will, but... Khalif Raymond is not a down-to-down deep threat. He will give you those those plays like he did on Sunday on the flea flicker, but he's not going to do it consistently. Outside of Amon Ra, like Josh Reynolds is a great piece. He can't be your number two. He can't be. Um, defensively, I, there, there are just so many issues with that defense, and I think a lot of them are on defensive coordinator Aaron Klein. Um, I think his inability to communicate or to get his guys to communicate like there are broken coverages left and right guys screaming wide open in the KC game and this game it's 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 truly unbelievable how in all three years that he's been here our defense has been awful the first half of the season um so I think that the Lions are out of it um uh, the Giants were never really a contender to me. Nobody in the a- NFC South was. Um, and then, obviously, the NFC North is a bunch of just mid, and the Bears suck. So, there you have it. Three true contenders. I really only think that there's three te- or that's, there's really six teams that even deserve to be in the playoffs um, from this uh, from this conference. Maybe the Falcons or the Bucks. Like, I just don't think those teams are going to be very good. Like, I think that they're, I don't know. I don't know. We'll wait and see on those teams, but yeah. Uh, the Dolphins are good. Um, yes, you know, I think at first, or at least it's good that, you know, because I wouldn't have made this takeaway after week one, but after week two, um, which I don't even know if they looked as good in, as they did in the Chargers game, but, you know, they come out of that game winning by seven, having missed two field goals. Mm-hmm. Well, at least missing one, the other was blocked. And yep. One of the coolest plays I've seen in all my life, really. Yep. I mean, <laughs> yes. I, I don't know the last time I've ever seen something <laughs> like that, but it was genius. He literally took a running start. They do it in soccer sometimes with like offsides. It's like they'll go, they won't go forward, but they'll go like run like that in line with the last defender. And then as soon as the ball is passed, they'll run straight up. So they had been running, yeah. right? And, uh, and, and can like accelerate while the other players are sh- trying to start to like start sprinting. So 
it was actually innovative. It was really cool. But they go through two missed field goals and a bad pick from Tua, which can't happen again. But it's going to happen once a week. It's going to happen. He's not going to throw a pick every single week. But there's going to be a ball right because he had one against the Chargers. Right. <laughs> it just it seems like it's going to be a common theme. Right. So and that could happen again, but. They win that game by seven points with a lot of errors in the second half. I think that defense is really good, and they ran for 150 yards on the ground with you know Raheem Mostert and, and you know some of their running backs. So my point being, they can do this over and over and over again. Like, and and obviously you know that's not even mentioning how good Tyreek and uh, and Jalen Waddle have been. This is a force to be reckoned with now, and you got to give credit to Mike McDonald. Like he is. Uh, he is um, he has done an incredible job going up against Bill Belichick. This is all a lot of the times a spot for for you know these younger coaches or you know younger quarterbacks to get tripped up in a big spot on the road against the Patriots, and they persevered. He had stuff ready. Tua looked ready. And honestly, it looked like even Bill Belichick was kind of ready for what the Dolphins were prepared for, but they persevered through it, made throws in tight windows, and got the ball out of Tua's hands quickly. You know, a lot of that was kind of, you know, the Dolphins don't have a great offensive line, not at all. But with Tua being able to get the ball out of his hands so much, he avoids injury, he avoids getting sacked, he he avoids having to, you know, throw for 25 yards on third down because they're way behind the sticks. He doesn't have to do as much as he would need to do if, you know, it was third and 15 every single series. No, it's third and four or third and three, and they can get it out to Tyreek Hill on a, you know, slant or a quick out or whatever. And they have done that. I think on third and goal, one of their touchdowns was from that. So this, to me, looks like something that they can do repeatedly and have success with. Um, so so I was impressed, and uh, we'll see how it goes for them the rest of the way. Um, yeah, I'm going to talk about that game, too. Uh, for anyone that says Bill Belichick has let the game pass him by, I would just like to show you last night's game. Because when you talk about talent, the Patriots are were much less talented than, than the Dolphins are. And, and yes, the offense has been a question mark ever since Tom Brady left. But, like, that's not, his, that's not his expertise. He's not an offensive guy. He's a special teams guy, and he's a defense guy. And what happened last night, I guess Sunday night, they had one of the coolest special plays, like you, like you mentioned, one of the coolest special teams plays that I've ever seen and something that I think teams will try to emulate. They won't do it well because they're not Bill Belichick. And defensively, they did something that I didn't think was possible. And that was, that was really make to a work for some of these throws, like against the chargers, which I'll get into um, in, in another takeaway. He really just had guys wide open and against the Patriots. Like there were still some guys, like there were still some times where guys were open, but like when you talk about defending an, an offense, like the dolphins that does a pre-snap motion into a switch release that gets this, its fastest player already moving, that's tough to defend. Yet, Bill Belichick, after seeing it for one week, because the Dolphins didn't run it last year. It was something they showed in week one that I think Tyreek Hill was in motion before almost every single snap that he ran a route on. Right. Um, or was even on the field. Um, Bill Belichick saw it week one and devised a defensive plan to at least slow it down, which they did. Holding that offense to 24 points, yes, they had a, a, a missed field goal, but holding that offense to 24 points is insane. There's no way they should have been in that game. 
yet they were. And it's and it's really because of Bill Belichick and his ability to control the game defensively. He dictates what you can do. And that's always that's always been his greatest asset is that whatever you're great at, it's nullified against Bill Belichick. He's going to make you beat him with your weakness. And if you can't do that, you lose the game. And we saw that we saw that again on Sunday night. The difference is, like you mentioned, this Miami team is good and they can win in more ways than just passing the football. And they proved that by being able to run the ball for chunk yards, even having that uh, Raheem Mostert 43-yard touchdown run, which I saw uh, next-gen stats got up to 21.62 miles per hour. <sighs> run. Unbelievable. Um, but yeah, the game is not passing by. If you think it has, you don't know ball. Um, Baker might be back. Uh, oh, I've been... Uh-oh. You have, you, did you have one? No. Okay. I just um, don't agree. Um, I've been a critic of him ever since he left Cleveland, reasonably so. He's played he should absolutely be. Yeah. abysmal. Uh, last year was a tough year. Um, what was it? Uh, Carolina struggled, yep. Carolina and then Los Angeles, where he kind of lost me over had the and, glimpses, and screwed but, me, you know, screwed me in that Seattle game. Um, but listen, uh, top 10 QBR in football, uh, 490 yards passing, three Ooh, touchdowns, wow. no picks. Okay. Projected to go for over 4,000 yards passing. Obviously, you know, impossible, but... Over 25 touchdowns passing it well as well. It It's giving 2020 Baker, who was a top 10 quarterback in football. Um, that would be crazy if he threw for 4,000 yards. Yeah, it would be. But that's what it's giving. You know what I mean? That's what, that's what it feels like a little bit. And why I say that isn't even because of the numbers or what he's looking like on the field. It's because he actually has a grasp of that locker room and yep. the players on that offense. They really seem to be connecting with him and what he's preaching and, you know, and him being involved in that. And, you know, as bad as it was in Cleveland, you know, Odell started to really – it not it mm-hmm. didn't mesh well at all. You know, Kevin Stefanski really had, you know, mixed uh, – uh, feelings with him, it always seemed like there. It just constantly Nothing seemed to be clicked. tension, uh, especially towards the end. The analytical guys really didn't mesh with his style of play, and um, the only guy that really did mesh with his style was Rashard Higgins. Yeah, and and John Dorsey, but you know he was cast away to the Lions. So you know, um, I think he kind of ran out of allies in Cleveland, and I think that that really hurt him, and and for good reason, by the way. He he wasn't good enough. No, he was not good. Um, you know, and and he and for whatever reason, he didn't click with that scheme, and. And, and just didn't play well, and partially, I'm sure, because of injury, but that was the bottom line. Um, and I would say similar sort of thing uh, in Carolina. Carolina was bad. Um, you know, he just didn't really, it never seemed to click. And uh, Los Angeles, it got a little bit better. <laughs> that I was, he had a an mercenary for them. And Sean McVay, but, you know, I think now this finally might be the place for him, and, you know, I don't listen. I don't think he becomes a top ten quarterback in football, but I do think there's a place for him as a starter in the yeah. NFL. I think he's a. Yeah. I think he's a low end starter. I think he's Average. you know twentieth best quarterback yeah. in football. I think that's a slot for him. And, and when you're a team like the Bucs, that you can have right. that right. Yeah. So, um, and I think that's what he has to be. Like at Oklahoma, that it was probably his biggest attribute. That and his accuracy. It was leadership. Like the players on that yeah. team really loved him and uh, and the and the leader that he was. So. I think that's the slot for him uh, as a professional quarterback is really an underdog on underdog teams um, who uh, nobody believes in. And, and I'm sure the Bucks feel that way oh, this yeah, year absolutely. going eight and nine last year with, you know, the goat Tom Brady, not my goat, wait, wait, but, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, he's but neither, lot, he's neither of our goats. Neither Why our did goats, you say that? But uh, well, you know, that's what everyone for, you know, everyone yeah. says he's the goat. Oh, can we call so, him? Can we call him kissing call, my son lips? K- kiss him, Tom kissing my son's lips, Brady. 
I can call him the phony goat. I don't want that. He's a phony goat. Um, you know, so I'm sure they felt slighted, and I think there's absolutely a slot for, for Baker in this league, and I'm, I'm glad he's found it. Um, okay, so listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to have a, a one-on-one with Zach Taylor here. I'm going to have a one-on-one conversation with you. Okay, so how many years do we have to do this before you realize that, hey, maybe playing in the preseason? Like, like playing, you know, your starters at least just, you know, like two drives in the preseason. Like, not playing your starters a single snap in the preseason is insane. And this is the second consecutive year. I think it's the third consecutive year they started out 0-2. Like, you've been a, the head coach there for, I, I, was this his third or fourth year? I can't remember. I think it's his fourth. But, like, you, been conti- there a couple of years, you yeah. continuously start out slow every single year. It, at, at what point do you look in the mirror and be like, hey, this philosophy I have about the preseason is not working? Right. Because your guys can't gel against other, like, against, like in-game competition, in-game speed. Practice speed's not game speed. It's just not. You you can try to emulate it as much as possible, but you will never match it. You just won't. And your your quarterback, who, yeah, he's had a calf injury, and I've seen some Bengals fans be like, oh, you just shouldn't have started him anyway because we're 0-2 now. Would have been 0-2 without him. We're 0-2 with him now, and he's and he's limping. Um, it is what it is. I, I, I don't know about that. But, like, the offensive line to me has been the biggest issue. It's like they, they haven't gelled the way that we thought they should. Um the the defense hasn't really looked that great either, um, and it's tough because you're a great team, but you're in a two game hole to start the season every single year, and you're just expecting that you're going to play well the rest of the year. What if you don't? What if, what if there's a stretch in the middle of the season, weeks like ten through fourteen, that you drop three or four? Well, all of a sudden, if you went if you went two and zero in the first two games, or at least split, well, then your record's not so bad, right? Your 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 three losses or your four losses. Now, at minimum, you're five, right? And that's assuming that you don't lose another game the entire season, which they might not. But you're playing with fire at that point. You're rolling the dice on something on a game that we've seen, like the Jets' defense held the Bills' offense to 16 points. Or what was it? Yeah, it was 16, right? Yeah, I think so. Then next week, the Bills go out and score 40-something on on the Raiders. I think 38. I, I, I think that's actually the number. And the Jets can't stop a nosebleed against against the Cowboys. They score, was it 30? Yeah. Like, this game is so week-to-week, and in, in you're, you're just expecting that at some point you're going to turn it on, and that you won't turn it off after that. You won't have a down week. You You won't have, you know... And, and, like, look at the teams that you've lost to. It's the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. What do those two things, what do those two teams have in common? They play in your division. You are 0-2 in your own division. Do you know how important that is come playoff time? Come weeks, you know, 14 through 18. That's that's the most important thing. And you're just kind of throwing it out the window being like, eh, it's okay. I just think it's bad process. I think it's, I think, I think it's shown, you know, bad results. And... Um, I know there's Bengals fans that want Zach Taylor fired. Um, Lamar impressed me. I I mean, I'll give him a lot of credit. I've been, Ooh. you know, probably his biggest critic since uh, since twenty twenty. Yeah, I mean, After that, um, yeah, the pandemic season he played pretty good. Not the top five quarterback that a lot of people were labeling him as, but he played pretty actually really good in twenty twenty. Uh, 
since then he's really struggled and I've called him out for it. A lot of people have, you know, kind of thrown that under the rug because he had the MVP season in 2019, but I am not like he has not been a great NFL quarterback for three years now. Um, and and he has to take ownership for that. I can't I can't judge you off of what you've been. That's why I don't have Deshaun Watson in my top five, you know. So, um, or really even my top ten mainly. So my point is like it does really matter more so what you're doing lately. What you know? What have you done for me lately? What have you done recently? It, that does matter more than what you did five years yeah. ago. And I've held Lamar's feet to the fire for that. A lot of people haven't. That's fine. But I'm going to. But. In the Bengals game, he looked really impressive. And I'll be the first one to say it. He made real throws. I'm talking, you know, top 10 quarterback throws. Like, like not, and not just, like, top 10 passer throws. Fantastic throws uh, uh, throughout that game. Yes, a lot of them were in between the numbers. And, mm-hmm. and I would have, you know, kind of done a better job of that if I was the Bengals. Because that really is what he's best at. But... You know, a couple of them were, you know, off balance, off platform, uh, and he's making throws across his body. It's like, you got to give the man credit. Um, you know, I think, I think, you know, like I said, teams will sort of patch that up. Uh, and it's partially because I don't, I don't know the Bengals don't have their act together. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, and I think we'll have to make some throws outside the numbers. But at least right now, like, it's it's off to a good start. And yep. It's kind of looking like that Lamar. He looked like at least in twenty twenty. There was a there was a couple throws. So it was like, yeah, was like damn. So okay. um, he's a uh, he looked like a Pro Bowl level level quarterback. Absolutely, uh, and uh, and we'll see if he can sustain that. Um, some some breaking news as of thirty five minutes ago, the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes have restructured his contract. He's uh, between twenty twenty three and twenty twenty six. He's making two hundred and ten million guaranteed. Woo. So, so, so much for Patrick Mahomes having the most uh, or the best contract in football. Yeah. That is no longer the case. Um, okay. My third or my fourth takeaway is uh, Trevor Lawrence, my man. You gotta be better in the red zone if you want the Jags to be an elite team. That was a game they, sh- they should have won. They should have beat the Chiefs. They had four red zone opportunities. They didn't score a touchdown on any single one of them. We're 0 for 4 on, on, on getting 7 when they were inside that 20-yard that line. Three of them, they settled for a field goal, which Doug Peterson is known to, you know, not be the most aggressive in certain situations. Like, he's aggressive in really weird times. Like, there, there's... there's Sorry. Sorry. <sighs> Jesus. <laughs> well, we gotta, hey, we got to restart. Uh, yeah. Okay. See, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to you guys with a completely new podcast. <laughs> Um, no, but he was, and I, I think the number was he was 0 for 8 or 0 for 9 on passes in the red zone, Trevor was. Did you hear that? Yeah. He didn't complete a single pass. That's unbelievable. Um, it gets tight, right? It, it gets tight down and, and there, It does, and, 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 and there were, like, every single one of those drives, there was a play where if the end zone was 11 or 12 yards deep, they score. Right. It, it was literally a matter of, you know, a couple of feet. Not having that space. Exactly. And so and so they're there, but they have to capitalize. And you have to do so, especially against a Kansas City Chiefs team that you know many consider a top five team in football. Some consider the best. And your defense played really well holding that office to 17 points, and you couldn't win the game. I know they're frustrated. I, I, I watched Trevor's post-game press conference. I watched Doug's post-game press, press conference. I know that they, they know that they have to be better, but it was frustrating to watch because, A, I'm... 
I picked the Jags, right, to cover the, was it two and a half or three and a half? Um, and B, you know, I'm I'm a Jags fan. I, I really do like that team. Um, yeah, I not not nearly as much as I like the Lions. Like when the Lions lost, I was like e- emotionally just like drained for the rest of the day. Just did not want to watch football. When the Jags lost, I was like, oh, come on, man. So it's there's different levels there. I'm right. not. I, I wouldn't consider myself um, as big of a Jags fan as you are a Cowboys fan. Yeah. Um, but I'm definitely a bigger Jags fan than Mike is a Vikings fan. Oh God, yeah, dude. Mike's not even a Vikings <laughs> fan. Mike's a fair weather Vikings fan. Um, um, yeah. So. Don't buy into the Josh Allen hype. Wait, listen, why not? Listen, he played well against the. You know, he played. He played he well a, against the Raiders. He had a point right? four three EPA. Yeah, or point four EPA. Uh, you know, second best in the league last right. week. Right, adding a lot of value to the to the offense. Did a lot of great things. I didn't get a chance to bash on him after week one, so I'm going to right now. <laughs> he, I wonder what his EPA that week one was. He cost his team games absolutely without a doubt. Like this is the thing about Josh Allen. He he goes. Just plays an abysmal game against a team that the Bills beat with an average quarterback and literally costs his team the game. Not like, oh, we missed a couple of throws that if Patrick Mahomes was a quarterback. No, no, no. If, like, Derek Carr was the quarterback in that Jets-Bills game. If, shit, you pulled out Matt Ryan out of retirement. Oh, my God. The Bills Joe, won that Jets Joe Burrow was the worst quarterback in, in week one. Yeah, his, his, his completion percentage above expected, uh, above expected was like negative 15, <laughs> and his EPA per play was, was minus 0.5. What was... Uh... Um, Josh Allen had a, a plus completion percentage over expected, um, and his EPA was like a minus one and a half, it looks like. I don't know what dot he is, though. I think he's that one. Yeah. It was so... minus point. Point oh five, I think. Yeah, um, did not did not play well enough in that game, um, and so so yeah. But this is what he does: throws, I think, three interceptions in that game. Yeah. Um, just just, and they were all bad, all bad, all on him. And and this is what he can do. So like people will point out the great plays, and they'll be like, "See, now this is why Josh Allen." Nobody's saying he doesn't have the traits. He's always had the traits to be a top five quarterback in the NFL. And frankly. I still think he is, at least as of today, a fringe top five quarterback in the NFL. You know, I'd probably put him at five, but yeah. um, but but this is what he does. This is the habits he gets into. You know, the, these are the goods and the bads. And it's like, you know, I think the Bills' record, and that's what this is all about, winning games and losing games, is the same, if not a little bit better, if you have Derek Carr as your quarterback. Because, like I said... I really think he cost his team that game. In a game that goes to overtime, any negative value that you provide to your team is literally, you know, costing your team the game. It's 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 crucial. It's critical. So, um, in a game like that, where where the team is down Aaron Rodgers and really looking for any sort of offensive m- momentum, you cannot cannot give them the ball on on your side of the t- uh, of the field or you know waste opportunities, waste possessions. You can't do it. He did that. And so my point is, don't overreact to the good when we just saw the bad, right? So don't, you know, don't freak out because he plays well against a team that the Bills were going to beat anyway. Um, so we need to see more from Josh Allen in, in games where it's kind of ugly. Just kind of do what he can, not go for the hero play, and be comfortable winning games 19-6. to six. I'm sorry, guys. I just saw a stat. Uh, Alliance linebackers winning coverage on Sunday against the against the Seahawks. Fourteen targets, fourteen receptions, one hundred and sixty nine yards. Ugh. So yeah, not great. Uh, my final takeaway is that Brandon Staley is a goner. 
Um, and it's 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 time. It, it is absolutely time. Once again, he gets outcoached against an inferior team in the Tennessee Titans. And, and I'm just sick and tired of it. His defense is not good. It hasn't been good. There's been zero flashes of it being good. Um, That's the biggest thing to me. I mean, it, you're, it, it, and, it's, and it's the issue you've had with Kyle Shanahan, yeah. right? He's an offensive guy, but his defense has always carried him. For Brandon Staley, it is his defense has been putrid. He's had some elite level talent, and he has not been able to figure it out. And I don't know what it is. I don't. I don't know. I don't know why he hasn't been able to. But they got dudes, and week after week, year after year, their defense is bottom ten, and it's without fail. Meanwhile, the offense is is putting up. You know, I think twenty five points a game since Justin Herbert's been the quarterback, and he he has a, a losing record. I think uh, it just. It doesn't make sense, and I'm sick and tired of it. I know Chargers fans are sick and tired of it. You have a guy in Kellen Moore who can step in immediately and be the head coach. I don't know if that fixes the defense, um, but I'll tell you what, Brandon Staley is not the solution. It's his problem, right? He's he's the issue. So I think the sooner we – and it's funny because when you look at preseason at the odds for the first, like, first coach to be fired – Nobody had it, Brandon Staley. Like nobody had it as Brandon Staley. Meanwhile, we're sitting there. We're sitting here. They're owing to. They gave up forty some odd points, or was it thirty six points? Yeah. To the Dolphins in Week One, give up four hundred sixty six yards passing. They look absolutely lost out there defensively. And then Week Two, they give up twenty seven points to a, a Tennessee Titans offense that. Awful. Is not good. Uh, and they had 15 points against New Orleans the week before. Ryan Tannehill threw, threw three picks, and, and nothing changed. That that Tennessee offense looked like a competent offense when they're not. And so I think this is I think it's the final nail in the coffin of Brandon Staley. Um, he'll probably last a few more weeks, but if they start out one and four or, or two and five, two and six, I think he's gone. I think he's gone. Yeah. So... Uh, I hope he's gone because I'm sick and tired of, of putting my faith in the Chargers, and maybe it's just a Chargers thing. Maybe, maybe it is. Uh, maybe they're, they're just, just they're just cursed. Maybe they legitimately are just cursed because it makes zero sense how you can have that many good players. Like when I look at their team, when I look at their rosters, like there aren't a ton of like major holes, right? But when they get on the field, it's like, well, they can't do this, they can't do that, they can't do this, they can't do that. Like how? How? Yeah, something's not clicking. Coaching. Okay. You good? Yep. It is coaching. That's a great point. Thank you guys so much for watching. Hope you enjoyed. Catch you on the flip. See ya.